Welcome to the City Church Podcast. We hope that you will be abundantly blessed by this message. If you would like to find out more about the city, please log on to our website, www.thecity.sg. Got some important things to read. <clears throat> a little girl was talking to a teacher about whales and how she heard in Sunday school about how a whale had swallowed Jonah. Teacher said it was physically impossible for a whale to swallow a human because even though it was a really large mammal, its throat was very small. Little girl remained steadfast in the position and reiterated that indeed a whale had swallowed Jonah. Irritated, the teacher again stated that a whale could not swallow a human. It was physically impossible. The little girl said, I'm not sure how it happened, but when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask Jonah. Teacher replied, what if Jonah is in hell? Go replied, then you ask him. <laughs> I think that's funny. <laughs> funny, funny, funny. Well, this morning, uh, I have a word to share. You know, I really feel that, uh, that 2016, this year, prophetically for this community of believers, our church, and uh, even as uh, individuals, that this year is the year of dreams fulfilled, promises coming to pass. I really feel it. Must, and it's not like a fluff statement and not something that you, you say to make people feel good, but I really feel my spirit that, that this is the year of promises coming to pass. Amen. Promises coming to pass. That, that there's an acceleration in the spirit. That the things that the Lord has placed inside your heart, prophetic words, these things, they are going to come into pass Amen. this year. This is the year. Amen? Amen? Can you say that with me? This is the year. This is the year. And I just want to read a, a verse real quick. And I believe that this verse is going to be something that uh, we'll experience as a church community. And uh, I want to cast this as, as a, a vision for 2016. Uh, even for your lives. And it's come, it comes from Hebrew uh, chapter 6, verse 9. It says, But beloved, we are confident of better things concerning you. Yes, things that accompany salvation. Yes, things that accompany salvation. Though we speak in this manner, for God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love which you have shown toward His name. See, the justice of God is not just towards injustice, but the justice of God is for our sake. It's reward. Because God is just, He remembers the things that you have done. Shown toward His name in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. And we desire that each of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. That you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Read that last part again. But imitate those who through faith and patience Inherit the promises. Okay, let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for every promise, every prophetic word that's been given to our lives, God. Father, we thank you that you are faithful to your word, that you will see things to completion, that you are the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, that Lord, since you spoke it, God, and since you are the beginning and the end, God, that we can have full assurance that every word that's been spoken, every promise of hope, will come to pass. So Lord, we prophetically declare that 2016 is the year of promise fulfilled. The year of promise fulfilled. 
that Lord, that even right now that you will cause such an expectation to arise in the hearts of your people even right now, that confident expectation of good that has its foundations in Christ Jesus. So Lord, we thank you for what you're going to do in this new year. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And coincidentally, you know, today I'm going to be talking uh, about something I believe um, has been you know, uh, a really key thing in my life that, that I have, um, um, you know, constantly had the Lord bring up again and again in different seasons of my life. And today I'm going to be talking about thriving in the process. Thriving in the process. I did not do those slides. Those slides are too amazing for me to do. <laughs> I had one that was just black and white words. So, but for your sake, color. <clears throat> You know, uh, I, uh, many of you know I spent three years in BSSM. Uh, it's a, it's a, a school of ministry and a really, really, really prophetic environment. You know, you can walk down the cafe and someone will come to you and be like, hey, I got a word for your life. I'm like, great, uh, buy my coffee first and then we can go to a corner. And so in my time there, I, and I, I'm not exaggerating, I had close to a thousand prophetic words given to me in my three years there, a thousand prophetic words. Yeah, almost one a day, yeah. Sometimes three. And so we, you get all these prophetic words, and you know, we, I, I have this habit where you know, if someone gives me a prophetic word, I would uh, record it, and then uh, I'll go back home, play it. Uh, sometimes I'll play uh, a few at night, and then I'll transcribe it and keep it uh, by the side. And so you, know, you have all these prophetic words. And I, I don't know how many of you are, uh, are, are wired this way, but I have all these prophetic words, okay? And the, the nature of prophetic word is that it talks about, uh, most of it, it's, it's, it talks about the future, right? It's like, oh, I just see you doing this, or I see you going into this, or this is what the Lord's going to bring about in your life. I'm like, great, and you feel good after a prophetic word. But when you go back home, you listen, you listen, and you're like, oh man, this is amazing. But, you know, in my heart, I go, when? How? What's going to happen? And, and it, 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 the word is amazing. I feel very happy when I get a word. But when I go back home, I chill, I listen to a word. And after a few days, it comes to a point of frustration. How many of you are with me? Is, am I alone? Yeah. Yes. And, and you're almost like, oh my gosh, when is this going to happen? And it's, it's a really frustrating place. I, I mean, if you are... A big fan of frustration, go to a ministry school, get a thousand prophetic words and, and you know. But, and you know, the Lord challenged me on a, a couple of my mindsets uh, during that time of having all these prophetic words, having all these things spoken to my life. And He challenged me on a couple of mindsets. You see, I've always perceived uh, this, this part of getting a promise, okay, and before seeing its fulfillment, this middle part is, is the wilderness part. I always looked at it as the wilderness. Like, oh, I get this like, amazing promise in Egypt, but I have to like, cross you know, the wilderness part and, and wander around and suffer and go through spiritual dryness and the Lord is not with me until I enter the promised land. See, but the Lord challenged me on that. And, and you know, Jesus went through a wilderness experience. Jesus went through a wilderness experience. And it was a completely, he had a completely different outlook and it was a completely different outcome yeah. than what the children of Israel went through. Right. See, two wilderness experiences, two processes. Right. One, okay, the children of Israel didn't do so well. People died. <laughs> Jesus went into the wilderness and he defeated the works of the enemy. 
You see, God wants us to thrive in the process. We are meant to thrive in the process. In between the promise and the fulfillment is this thing called the process. And we were meant to thrive in it. Amen? Amen. When Jesus, uh, you know, we're all familiar with the story. When he walked past the fig tree, he wanted to eat some figs. And and he looked at the tree, and the tree did not have any fruit. And how many know what Jesus did? He rebuked it, cursed it, and then it died. Follow me? Yes? But you know, there's this little, little verse that we often overlook. And it talks about this. It, It said that even Jesus asked for figs, right? And he went to the tree. And it was not even the tree season for it to bear fruits. In that season, fix the, the fruits were not supposed to be... Uh, yeah, the tree was not supposed to bear fruit in that season. I mean, how many are you following me? Okay. It brings to mind this, this, this thought that maybe Jesus, for our lives as believers, demands fruit in every season. He demands us to thrive in every season. Yeah. In the book of Revelations, it, it talks about another tree. And this tree, okay, the, the, the unique quality about this tree is that this tree bore fruit in every season. Yeah. Friends, can I tell you that as believers, because we are in Christ, and because we are of the Father and have the Holy Spirit, we were meant to thrive in every season. We were meant to thrive in our process. Yeah. We are not just meant to thrive on the mountaintop experiences. Are you following me? Yeah. Amen? Yeah. Amen? Yeah. yeah, I remember I was uh, uh, going through uh, California and I, I passed by uh, this place called the Redwoods. And the Redwoods had amazingly huge trees. Okay, and I'm pretty sure the diameter of some of them are it's up to 9 meters. Okay, so diameter, let me get my math correct. My Diameter is the circle... And then it's the middle part, right? Correct. Nine meters. So nine meters would be roughly around like that. Okay, it's this wide. And some of the trees grew up to a hundred meters. They were so tall that you, even if you like tilt your head up all the way, you couldn't see the top. That, that, were, that was how big those trees were. And I was walking around the ground and I was like, man, these trees are amazing. And I was looking at the, at the bottom of these trees and it had all these, all these like, little tiny uh, acorn things. I don't think they were, they were acorns, but I was looking at it and I picked it up and I asked the guy, oh, so what, what are these? He was like, these are the seeds. These are the seeds that produced that tree. And I was so fascinated. I was like, man, this is such a tiny thing, but through a process, it produced something like that. We were all made to have seeds of promise in us, go through a process and see it come to a fulfillment. Amen? Yeah. Yeah. You see, this, this is the... And, and I think, you know, we can all say that, that there's one thing common, okay, between young, old, rich, poor, any, any, any kind of person, is that we are all, at some point, we are all in or at some point in our lives, have gone through a process. Have yeah. gone through a process. To every promise of God, there is always a process attached to it. To every promise of God, there's always a process attached to it. See, when I take the seed and I plant it in the soil, okay, the seed doesn't go, 
oh no, let me think about it before I become a tree. No, the, the process of growth is almost immediate. It's instantaneous. It's natural. Likewise, when a seed of promise okay, is planted into your heart, you are automatically launched into a season of process. Amen? Amen? Let me say that again. To every promise of God, there is always a process attached to it. Say that to your neighbor. To every promise of God, there is always a process attached to it. See, in my journey with God, I've noticed that, that you know, the people who, who actually makes an impact with their lives, the people who actually thrive are people who do very well in the process. You know, you read the Bible and, and you see these amazing stories of great men of God accomplishing great things, coming from nothing. And the thing that strikes me most about these men, of course, you know, amazing exploits, amazing things that they've done, but the, the thing that, that strikes me most is that these men, you know, in, in the Bible, great men, they seem to be thriving in every season of their life. Whether they were in the cave, whether they were in the pit, they seem to be thriving. Amen? See, David, he, he went through a process, he was called to be king, he became a shepherd, servant, hero, outcast, then the king of Judah, the king of Israel. Joseph was a favorite son, he was a dreamer. Then he was rejected, became a slave, prisoner, rose to prominence, and then was his family's savior. What impresses me about their lives is that if their lives was like a metaphorical yotel, and you cut the yotel where, wherever it is, it, the amazingness of the yotel would still be there wherever you cut it. <laughs> Can tell I haven't had breakfast, but <laughs> that was what their lives looked like. If you were to take their life and you would cut it at any point, and you look at it, you will see that they were thriving. They were thriving. They were doing well even though the circumstances around them weren't favorable, but they were doing well. They were thriving. How, how did they get there? What's the secret sauce? In every season of life, they were thriving. And, you know, I, I looked at the life of David. Amazing man. I think to my, and I, I, was, I was reading through the passages, and I think, you know, I found that one thing that I can say was consistent throughout David's life. I think that one thing is that David pursued the will of the Lord. David pursued the will of God. David pursued the will of God. It says in Psalm 40 verse 8, David says, I desire to do your will, God. Or in some other translations, it says, I make your will my pursuit. Acts 13 said that David, having lifted out the will of God for his life, died. He fell asleep. David was so in tune and connected with the will of God that even when he was presented an opportunity to advance himself, he didn't take it. Amazing. David was so in tune with the will of God in the middle of the process that he stuck through with it even though he had a potential out. David had at least two opportunities to kill Saul. Promise of such, David, you're going to be king. The most direct route is, I kill Saul, there's no more king, I become king. Right? Following me? It made complete sense that you know, this uh, uh, opportunity was from God. Amen? That this was a, a very logical thing to do. Kill him, advance. 
But David was so connected to God and connected to, to his will that even in the, in the presence and even in the face of a seemingly good opportunity, he recognized that it wasn't God. And he stuck to the will of God. And that was what enabled him to thrive. See, there's a difference between good and God. Amen? There's a difference between good and God. Everything that God does is good, but not everything that is seemingly good is from God. Amen? So he, he understood the will of God. And he knew that there was only one way to thrive. There was only one way to succeed. There was only one way to the promise. That was God's way. And that was staying in the will of the Lord. Interestingly, the word will comes from the Greek word. I love Greek. comes from the Greek word, telo, which, telo. <laughs> Not egg, uh. <laughs> Will is the Greek word, how do I pronounce it? Greekish. Telo, which means delight, okay? Will of, will of the Lord means delight. Will means delight, okay? Everyone following me? Yep. How many of you are familiar with this verse? Psalms 37, it says, Delight yourself also in the Lord, and He shall give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and He shall give you the desires of your heart. We haven't been able to approach that verse, especially for my life, practically. Until I, 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 know, I found out that the key to delight, the key to walking in that, in that uh, manner where that I, I'm in that vein and I see the desires of my heart fulfilled is staying in the will of the Lord. Delight yourself also in the Lord and He shall give you the desires of your heart. I would say a, a, a New Testament parallel to this will be seek first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto you. If you stay in that vein, if you stay in that connection, if you stay in that place, that's the will of the Lord. Amen. That's where desire is fulfilled. Amen? Amen? Yeah. Not by how much you can do, not by how much you can accomplish, but by who you're connected to. Yeah. Amazing, you know, and, and you know, many of us, you know, we are in this process where we have the prophetic word and you know, there are very apparent logical steps to take. Follow me? Yeah. Very easy things to do. And, and the truth is, you know, we can in our own mind rationalize and make logical assumptions to rush, to quicken, to hasten the process. Amen? But how many of you know that God is not, uh, I mean, He's interested, but he, he places value in how you live in the process, not just in the finished end product. Because in that process, in that place of process, you know, where, where time is, is a factor, where there's frustration, that's where character is formed. See, the world looks at this, okay, finish the process, get the end product. But God looks at process this way, says go through the process, stay in the will of God, come to the end. You have the product, but you not just have the product, you have character. You have character. See, we should not rush the process. We should not rush the process. I remember there was once I, I really liked this girl. And you can tell I really like this girl by what I did. I wanted to bake cookies for this, this girl. So, um, and I, I don't bake, okay? So I, I, I did the dough thing. I put it in the shapes thing. And I, it's all things to me. And I, I shoved it into the oven. And then it came out. And I was like, oh, it looks pretty legit. And I, I took a bite of it. I was like, oh my gosh, this is not chocolatey enough. This is, this is weird. 
and it tasted like all doughy and flowery. I was like, okay, okay, okay. Like, how do I get more chocolate in these things? And you know, there, there is a process, right? You, you taste, you mix, you match, you put the, the chips thing, and then you're like, oh, you work it out. And then, you know, all of a sudden in my head, I was like, man, I have this brilliant idea to, brilliant idea to, to rush this thing and to make this thing happen. So I went to my fridge and I took a bottle of Hershey's chocolate syrup. And then I just doused the cookies in Hershey's chocolate syrup. Because here's the thing, okay? I don't know how these cookies taste like, but I know how Hershey's chocolate syrup tastes yeah. like. And if I just make this thing covered in Hershey's chocolate syrup, it's going to taste like Hershey's chocolate syrup. Everyone follow me? So I, I, I filled these things and I shoved it back in the oven. And I was like, man, I'm a genius. Baking is not hard. So I, I was walking past, and uh, I think my sister was a lot younger, so she didn't remember. So I was walking around, and then I walked back in the kitchen, and I was like, oh my gosh, everything is on fire. Like the, the thing was on fire. I was like, oh no. So, so I yanked it out of the thing, and I was like, oh crap. So I was like, okay. I'm, and to this day, I have not baked since. So I went to buy Famous Amos instead. I think that's smarter than putting the Hershey's on. Know your limitations. <laughs> so, you see, that's, 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 that's how we see processes sometimes. Amen? See, we want to go through it as fast as we can and get to the end and have a finished product. You know, but if we rush it, you'll catch fire. Catch on fire. <laughs> okay, never mind. <laughs> how many of you are with me this morning? A friend of mine once described what process is to me. And, and I think to this day, it was one of the most impacting analogies I've ever heard in my life. And I was going through a, a really interesting time with the Lord of like, contending for promises and not seeing things materialize and coming to pass. And a friend of mine came to me one day and said, Andre, this is what a process looks like. This is what process in the kingdom looks like. It looks like a waltz. Okay? If you waltz a person, I don't know how to waltz, but just imagine I know how to waltz. So I'm waltzing, waltzing with, with the person. <laughs> you see, when in, in that dance, right, okay, in my head, okay, I'm not thinking, okay, I'm starting out at point A. I plan to be at point B by the end of this dance, okay, and so I'm going to like shimmy my way and make sure I get to point B. No, nobody thinks like that in the dance, okay, nobody thinks, okay, I start at this destination, I must end up there. Nobody thinks that way. The point of the dance and the objective of the dance is to make sure that me and this person that I'm dancing with remain connected the whole way. In the process, it's more... The, the key is not the destination. It's in the connection. The Lord is more interested in the connection than the destination. Amen? I found this physics-y thing online and I'm going to try my best. If you know physics, you can come talk to me afterwards. But there's this phenomenon called quantum entanglement. I know I sound very smart. Quantum entanglement. And basically, it's two photons. Okay, follow me. Okay? Rehashing some of your physics uh, lessons. But, okay, picture me. Photon A and photon B. Everyone following me? Okay, people that are laughing might think that I'm getting this wrong. So, this phenomenon is really interesting. It, it talks about how when two... I'm just going to call it electric thingings. Two electric thingings, okay? When it enters into the same quantum state, okay? 
when photon A spins a certain way, let's say it spins this way, this other photon will spin the same way. And they have noticed and found that the distance, okay, the maximum distance, okay, that these two, uh, how do I put it? They can be up to infinity apart, and this phenomenon will still happen. Following me? Okay? So they can be super far, they can be light years apart. But when this guy turns this way, this guy will turn the same way. And I think some way, that's how the will of the Lord looks like. When we stay connected to Him, when He goes a certain way, we go the same way. When we have that connection with the Lord. And I think that was what Jesus and the Father had. I don't think Jesus at, at different points in his life got to look up and go like, Oh Lord, what am I supposed to do? Oh Lord, what about this guy? Oh Lord, what about this guy? I don't think Jesus had, had moments where he just... Uh, I think he had moments, but I don't think Jesus stopped every time he was thinking of, whether should I minister to this person? Or should I say this thing? I don't think Jesus did that. But I think Jesus had that seamless connection with the Father. He was in that vein, in the will of the Lord. He had that connection. And so when the Father was going one way, Jesus would go the same way. We have to get into the will of the Lord. Amen? I think when you get to that place, you, know, you begin to respond to things you don't understand. You adjust to stuff you can't see. You begin to say yes to questions you haven't even heard. How many of you want to be in that place of connection? the Father. Yeah. I think that's key in the process. You know, it's in that place of, of you, you, you have that promise, you know what it, it might potentially look like, but you're, you're not sure. You're, you're, you're contending, you, you run out of things to do. How do you know that you're still in the right place? How do you know that you are still going the right track? It's in that connection. It's in being in the will of the Lord. See, I think the will of the Lord looks like an, an assignment. Don't get me wrong. I think it looks like things that, that God uh, has ordained for you to do. Things, assignment, tasks even. But, you know, I have this theory that the will of the Lord is not just in doing things, but it's, it's a place that you can actually abide and live in. It's a place. You see, the assignments, the tasks, they change. They change from season to season. But there is that constant thing that we have to have throughout our lives. And we see that in the life of David. He lived and abide in the will of the Lord. Amen? Yeah. You see, we, we, we read verse like, like, abide in the shadow of the Almighty. Like, how do you actually do that? How do you abide in the shadow of the Almighty? How do you like, like, you know, find a shadow in the church and sit there? I don't think so. Does abiding in the shadow of the Almighty means coming to church from Monday to Sunday? I don't think so. What does that look like practically? You know, we've heard the, the, the famous saying, the safest place to be in is to live in the will of the Lord, to be right in the center of the will of the Lord. What does that look like practically? What does that look like to live in that place of the will of the Lord, of seamless connection? When the Lord goes a certain way, I'll go the same way. What does that look like? And I think the key is found in this verse that I'm about to share with you. This has become my life verse. And I, I, I think, you know, in, in this verse, the, Paul, the author, uh, lists down what I believe to be 
certain foundation pieces, anchor points, uh, components of an ecosystem to lead you on that path of desires, fulfilled, of promises coming to pass. That you can go really far, but if you have these things, these things that, that Paul talks about, it will tether you back. If you can trace your belief systems, your actions to these three things, I can tell you that you're in the will of the Lord. Amen? 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 and 18, it says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. I'm going to repeat that again. It says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of Christ Jesus, of will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Those words, rejoice, pray, give thanks, pretty familiar with them, right? You know, you go to church, you sing a couple of songs, you hear a few sermons. These words are, are really familiar words. But when you add adverbs into it, rejoice always. Pray unceasingly. In everything, give thanks. That becomes challenging. That becomes challenging. It's, it's such a, a, a demand, it's such a, a high call to rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks. And I'm, I'm going to expound on, on each of, of these words for a bit, and then uh, we'll close. Amen? Rejoice always. Joy and happiness are entirely different. Joy and happiness are entirely different. Yep. Happiness is circumstantial. Right. When things go well for me, when that new Star Wars movie isn't as disappointing as I thought it would be, <laughs> happiness is circumstantial. But joy is different. Joy is, is, is an internal reality. It's something that you cultivate within yourself. That it, it, it almost uh, uh, reigns and triumphs over circumstances. That's what joy looks like. It's not affected by you know, the, the surrounding, the circumstances, the situations. When Jesus was, was enduring all that pain that, that, that he, he went through at the cross, uh, the, the scourging, the, 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 the nails, the thorns, it said that for the joy so set before him, he endured the cross. I don't think Jesus was extremely happy at that point. How many of you are with me? He was being whipped. He was being hit. He was being persecuted. I don't think he was happy. But he was joyful. He had that internal reality in him. He was joyful. It's a posture of the heart. It's, it's almost an act of one's will. David spoke to his own soul and called it to rejoice. It's a decision that you have to make. Amen? The word rejoice, I did a word study on it. You know, it has a, a couple of different meanings in the Greek and in, in the English, but the word rejoice actually means to be conscious of and experience God's grace. Rejoice means this, to be conscious of and experience God's grace. And we're all familiar with that word grace. Grace means what? Divine empowerment. Amen? It's, it's that backing, is that empowerment that comes from heaven. Rejoice is this to be conscious of and experience that divine empowerment. That is why Nehemiah could say these words, that the joy of the Lord is my strength. 
when I rejoice, when I, when I come to a place of being conscious of the, the, the abundance of heaven, of heaven's empowerment, I get strengthened. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. The joy of the Lord is my strength. It's the very thing that enabled Jesus to endure the cross. Second uh, thing that I think rejoice means, rejoice means this, to remember joy. Very simple. Rejoice. To re, go back to, remember. Joyce, joy. To remember joy. To remember joy. It's not the person joy. <laughs> to remember joy. Bible says this, that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. In the book of Revelations, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. What is this verse saying? It's saying that the things that Jesus has accomplished, the testimonies, the works, the things that he has done, prophesies into your now, into your future, that the same God that accomplished these things is the same God that will fulfill these things. When you remember joy, when you feed yourself on what God is doing and not stumbling over what He's seemingly not, that thing prophesies into your situation. When you remember joy. Amen? When you remember joy. Feeding yourself on what God is not doing. On what God is doing. And not stumbling over what He seemingly is not. And I think that key is always to rejoice always, even when it's someone else's joy. I think that's the hard part, you know. Uh, this whole thing of comparison, it, it robs us of joy. That's why Theodore Roosevelt said that comparison is the thief of joy. When you look at what someone else has and what you do not have, you rob yourself of joy. You literally take yourself out of that place of grace, of that place of empowerment, of that place of breakthrough. When you look at what someone else has and get offended. Comparison is the thief of joy. Amen? Next one. Praying without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. I don't think Paul was exhorting the believers to, hey, go and build a room and stay there and pray nonstop every day. I don't think Paul was doing that. I, I don't think Paul was saying that, no, don't go out anymore, just stay at home and pray. I don't think Paul was saying that. See, prayer, we understand prayer as as conversation with the Lord. Amen? And I believe it, it's, it's more than conversation. It's communion. Because I, I think prayer sometimes looks like not even saying words and just abiding in the Lord. It's that communion with the Lord, that connection. Prayer is communion with the Lord. Without ceasing. It means it's constant. doesn't end. Praying without ceasing is to be in constant communion with God to be in constant communion with God. And, and I know this sounds like a, a tall order. How do I get to that place? How do I come to a place of constant communion? We have to first realize that Holy Spirit is a person. Holy Spirit is a person. I'm here, I'm a person. I'm show, I've shown up. Okay? I don't show up in partiality. It's not like half of Andre comes to church and the other half stays at home. When Holy Spirit comes, He comes in fullness. He's a person. He comes and He's fully here, fully present. What we don't experience, okay, the, 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 the lack in the equation with the Holy Spirit and me, is me. I lack the awareness of knowing that He is here. See, He is fully here, fully available, fully present. 
anything that is lacking the equation has to come from me. I'm unaware. I, 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 I have not trained my senses to experience, to engage, to be aware of the Holy Spirit. Amen? And, and it, 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 we have to train our bodies. The, the Bible talks about how we train our senses to discern. And in that context, it's discerning the Spirit. We train our senses to discern. You know, when an when a airplane pilot, he uh, goes through his training, there's one phase of his training where they put him in a cockpit, okay, and he takes off, okay, and flies. And at some point, they will cut off his oxygen supply. It's a real thing. They'll cut off his oxygen supply. And what the pilot has to do in that moment is to begin to recognize, okay, what, what is happening to my body when the oxygen supply cuts off? Because every uh, person, every body is unique. Like some people, when they experience, a, an, uh, experience oxygen deprivation, you know, their, their right hand starts to, start to tingle. Some people, they do the macarena, you know. But, but it's all different. It's all unique. And so that's what they're training the pilots to do. Go through that, that point of oxygen deprivation. Recognize what's happening to your body so that in the event, okay, where you're, you're flying on a mission and suddenly the oxygen supplies get cut off and you're not focusing on the dials and on the meters, your body will tell you when that is happening. And I think that that is what l- training yourself to discern a presence looks like. When you come into an environment like this, a, a Holy Spirit-filled environment with amazing worship, with ministry, that you're training your senses to discern the Lord so that in the days of battle, so that in the days of, of battling in the process, so that in the darkness, in the hard places, in your job, in your families, you can discern when the Lord is present. You can discern His Spirit. It's, it's a very simple discipline, but it, it will go a long way. Friends, can I tell you that, that this thing has, has preserved me from so much heartache, from so much pain. When I, when I go in dark situations, I, I recognize that the Lord is there with me. It's like Miss, Mr. Miyagi teaching Daniel-san, Daniel-san, walks on, walks off, walks on, walks off. I know, terrible Japanese uh, impersonation, but I have a Japanese girlfriend, so it's all good. Yeah. <laughs> but really, okay, how many of you have watched the, the movie Karate Kid? Best movie ever. Uh, so in, in, that, in, that, in that movie, this old guy teaches this, this young boy you know, to, to uh, fight, to do karate. And he, he got him to wax his car, and he's like, oh, do this, Daniel son, wax on, wax off, wax on, wax off. And in the end, you know, this move becomes like one of the best de- defensive moves that this kid had in uh, the karate competition. Something very basic, something very menial, something seemingly easy can go a long way in the days of battle. Amen? Yeah. That is what praying without ceasing looks like. It's, it's developing an awareness of the Spirit of God, being trained, and being able to discern it in every situation, in every season, in every circumstance. Constant communion with the Lord. Last point, in everything, give thanks. In everything, give thanks. Landing this plane in a bit. Note that Paul said, He did not say, for everything, give thanks. He said, in everything, give thanks. Not for everything, in everything, give thanks. Paul is not saying, when things happen, when when breakthrough happen, give thanks. Paul is saying, in everything, in every situation, in every circumstance, wherever you go, whether you're in the process, in the valley, in the mountains, in the Sahara Desert, give thanks. In everything, give thanks. 
It's, it's a hard attitude. It's a, it's a hard posture. In everything, give thanks. We, we just had a, a Thanksgiving thing uh, in, in our, our cell group. We were talking about the breakthroughs of 2015 and one of our guys was like, yeah, you know, I stay platoon four. Uh, platoon four is like fourth level. Then the, my bunk is the furthest in. Then, then, then he goes on to say, oh, but my, and my bed is also the furthest in, inside. So he was lamenting on how he is like the one guy that has to walk the furthest down if there's anything. But then he goes on to say, but, oh yeah, book out first, we, we book out first. So like, our, our, our companies is like, oh, we book out first. And also my, my bed upstairs, there's a fan. So he was giving thanks, even though the circumstances, the surrounding wasn't amazing. He was giving thanks. He was finding things to be thankful for. We can go, we can lament and, and go like, oh, but I have to walk so far. But, you, but hey, look, there's a fan. Not everyone gets a fan. You, you have a fan. Give thanks. Amen? You see, without looking up, okay, how many of you can tell me that in one cluster of the Christmas decoration, how many tassels we have hanging from there? Without looking up. How many of you can tell me? How many tassels? How many of you even know that there are tassels there? Not many of you, right? How many of you will agree with me that all these things are in plain sight? You can see them, you can look at them. When you're coming in, when you're going out, you definitely have seen it, right? The point I'm trying to make is this. You rarely see what you're not looking out for. You rarely see what you're not looking out for. Even when things are in plain sight, if, you're not, if your heart is not postured to look for these things, you will rarely see it. If you don't posture yourself with a thankful heart, with a, with a heart of thanksgiving, when things happen, when things go your way, because you're not looking out for it, you will rarely see it and recognize it. In everything, give thanks. In everything, posture your heart with thanksgiving. Children of Israel, all familiar story, you know. They, they were in the wilderness. They were angry. They were hot. There was no air condition. There was no fan. <laughs> they were complaining. Complaining, complaining, complaining. And we read in one that story, as they were complaining, as they were, were offended with God, as they were like, oh, why aren't these things happening? Snakes came up on the ground. Okay? They came up from the ground bit them, and then they died. Let's all give praise. I'm just kidding. (laughs) As they were complaining, snakes came up from the ground and bit them. What are snakes a representation of in the Bible? The demonic. What's the opposite of complaining? Thanksgiving. Just as complaining attracts the demonic and death, thanksgiving attracts the angelic and breakthrough. The same way that complaining attracts death, thanksgiving attracts life and breakthrough. Three things which I feel uh, uh, will create an ecosystem for dreams fulfilled, for promises coming to us, for desire fulfilled. Three things that create ecosystem that, that is the will of the Lord, that seamless connection. Three things. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and in everything.